This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. It is Wednesday, the 15th of February, and spring training is in full gear. As we are talking Reds baseball today with Mark Sheldon, our Reds reporter. Mark, thank you as always for the time. And, of course, uh, the big news of the week uh, this past weekend, actually, the news that uh, Brandon Phillips is now an ex-Red as he is sent to the Braves in his uh, home states of, uh, of Georgia to play for his hometown team and uh, a pair of minor league pitchers coming to Cincinnati in that deal. And, Mark, is uh, is this something you saw coming at least a little bit, or did this trade kind of kind of knock you sideways a little bit? Well, I think it knocked a lot of people sideways in the sense it just came together very quickly. Uh, as you may remember, there was a trade in the works that we learned about in January, but back in November, uh, the Reds had an opportunity to trade Phillips to uh, the Braves. And Phillips, uh, Phillips uses uh, is no trade rights to block the trade, and 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 G- GM Dick Williams had kind of given up on the idea, and they were preparing for Phillips to come to camp and have four middle infielders trying to trying to make that work. And uh, when the Braves found out uh, late last week that Sean Rodriguez, who they signed after Phillips turned them down, uh, was going to be out three to five months for shoulder surgery from his car accident, uh, the Braves placed another call to the Reds and this time Phillips was more open to waiving his no trade and the deal came together pretty quickly uh Reds didn't really get have a lot of leverage uh they picked up 13 of the 14 million dollars in Phillips salary and they got two minor leaguers that are not considered prospects in any way shape or form they're not going to be in big league camp so uh yeah things kind of came together quick and Literally on the first day I got here, I landed and I, I drove straight to the Reds complex for a, a media session with Dick Williams. So uh, it was an interesting way to start camp for sure. Yeah, I'll say. And like you said, a, a very uh, this thing came together so fast, it kind of caught everybody off guard. And now you, you never like to hear about you know anybody uh, having the sort of a misfortune that Sean Rodriguez did. As you said, he's going to be out uh, between three and five months uh, due to a car accident. But if you're Brandon Phillips and uh, you know you, you catch wind of this and then you know that trade talks are being revisited, in his mind, did he kind of say, you know, well, maybe I'm more open to a trade now because I am going to get some playing time with this guy hurt? Is that kind of what triggered this whole thing? No, I think it is more, and I can't speak for him because I have not spoken to him yet, but I got the impression is that just during the off season in general since November, there was Reds Fest, was, uh, was in December, they had the winter meetings as well, that I think the Reds had a pretty frank conversation with him that kind of let him know his playing time was not going to be the same as it had been in, in the past. He's always been a guy that's played 150 games or so, and they wanted Jose Peraza to, to play more. Uh, whether it be at second base or shortstop or in uh, left or center field, but primarily in that middle infield. And they also eventually want to make room for Dilson Herrera uh, and see what he has. Uh, Phillips obviously wasn't going to be back after 2017, no matter what. And they really are wanted to find out what they had in Peraza and Herrera. So I think that may have uh, 
may have greased the wheels a little bit, so to speak, and uh, helped make, make move that deal along. I, I don't know if how much he cared about going home to Atlanta or not, but I think he realized that his opportunities were going to be drying up a little bit in Cincinnati, and I think it was just time to move on. I think the only other options Reds would have had, honestly, is if they really wanted to get Peraz involved, they would have had to release him. And, uh, that would, you know, you, you didn't want him to come to camp and have an uncomfortable situation, and I think this ended up working well for both sides. They, the Reds got rid of Phillips. They didn't lose the salary yet, obviously, because they had to eat so much of it. But now Jose Peraz is the everyday second baseman, and Dilson Herrera is going to have a chance to make the team. Zach Cozart is still the shortstop, and uh, until further notice, and we'll see what they have. Yeah, it's it's funny how things have a way of working out sometimes uh, with this uh, whole transaction where Phillips is now a member of the Atlanta Braves, and of course that is the obvious uh, other half of this equation. With uh, Phillips gone, it really uh, opens up playing time for uh, Peraza and for Dilson Herrera, like you mentioned, and if you had to pick... I guess one word to describe the feeling in the organization now that this is a, a done deal and Phillips is no longer, you know, blocking the younger guys. Would that word be relief? Is that is that kind of the best way to describe how the Reds feel about this whole thing right now? I think it's somewhat relieving. I mean, Brian Price had a conundrum on his hands to try to figure out how he's going to get enough playing time in spring and then even in the season to figure out how Cozart and Phillips, two guys who, who have earned the right to play every day, could make way for two younger guys. And, and, you know, Brian was pretty adamant that, that Jose Peraza to him was a regular player, that he had showed enough of what he could do in the 70-plus games he played last season while hitting 324, that he merited everyday playing time somehow. And for Brian, that was a, that was a conundrum, to say the least. So this way it does kind of free things up now. Peraza is, is penciled in as the everyday second baseman. And Herrera is going to have to try to take the Peraza role of playing maybe multiple times a week at different positions. And the one problem for him is that he's only a second baseman. So he's going to have to really uh, bone up on, on third base and other spots to see have a chance to, to make the team. Because otherwise they may have to have him be, in, uh, be a triple-A to play every day. And, of course, you know, I think this is one of those classic trades where it's addition by subtraction in the, in the classic sense. But nonetheless, you know, we are talking about a guy – in Brandon Phillips, who who does have a proven track record. The guy did hit in the 290s last year. He still is versatile and valuable. So given all that, is there, is there still a little bit of disappointment that the two guys that got in return, as you said at the top of the podcast, are by no means highly touted prospects? You know, could the Reds or should the Reds have gotten back a little bit, a little bit more for a guy that, again, does have a proven track record? No, I mean, not at all. They're lucky they got anything, honestly. I mean, you have to really – if you really look at it, he's going to be 36 years old in a couple months. They he had the, the no trade thing going. The salary was a, a big handcuff. You know, I know you said he hit 290s, but a lot of his other numbers really weren't that flashy. He's been, you know, having diminishing returns both offensively and defensively. His speed isn't what it once was. Uh, it's just, it, you know, you, you could yes, you could thank him for the years he had, but that doesn't mean that the players that are going to come back should warrant, you know, the kind of the kind of prime of his career. It's, it's warranting where he is now. And when you're having a divorce like this, you, you, sometimes you don't worry about the assets and what you're splitting up. You just want it to be over and you move on. And I think they decided, to, let's move on. And for him, he got a soft landing. I think he, this worked out better for him than he could have imagined. He could have, like I said, been released. And then that would have been just not as, uh, not as I guess, not as a good of a way to go out after an 11-year career. He's going to be a Red Hall of Famer for sure but you don't want to see his career with the Reds end that way. And now he's got a trade. He's got a chance to prove himself in Atlanta. 
and play in a new stadium and, and see what happens. Yeah, good good point. This worked out great for uh, for everybody involved. Like you said, uh, this the outcome of this for Phillips personally could have been a lot worse than him uh, landing with an up-and-coming Atlanta club. He can provide some veteran uh, presence and leadership, and uh, the Reds' infield situation really sorts itself out well. And, uh, Mark, in reading uh, you know, your coverage of the trade and talking about Phillips himself, I get the feeling that, and this is not a newsflash by any means, that he's one of the more complex players you've ever covered. It seems like, on one hand, very beloved by the fans. He's a guy that interacts on social media, a guy that will sign autographs till his hand gets tired. On the other hand, he's had some incidents uh, in the clubhouse with some teammates. So, uh, again, going back to the original point, of all the guys that you've covered in all the years covering this Reds team, would he be right at the top of the list or near the top in terms of uh, more one of the more complex players you've seen? Yeah, certainly. Uh, he's definitely in that list. Uh, I mean, it, I don't know if we've talked about this in the past or not, but over the last few years especially – there's been instances where he wasn't speaking to me or speaking to members of the media at all. I think Phillips and I went through a two-year stretch where I did not interview him one time. He wouldn't talk to me. I know he did that with other writers as well. And, you know, there was a time when he signed a six-year, $72 million contract in 2012. He went to a magazine and said it was a slap to the face, which is a very odd, you know, comment for that, that kind of contract because he didn't like it that Joey Votto got his mega contract done first and he had to wait for Votto's and then he got his. And he found that to be disrespectful for whatever reason, he also got uh, got into it with uh, one of my colleagues. It was caught on camera. He's screaming and you know being verbally abusive and in Dusty Baker's office. It was all caught on camera, and it was a very very ugly scene. And those are the kind of things that kind of detract from some of the things that he did that were positive. He had a very positive run, like what they said with the, with the fans, and uh, he had a flashy style that was definitely popular and made him got him on the highlight reels all the time and. And you know certainly national television loved him, but uh, yeah, definitely some 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 mixed stuff there that, that didn't go so well for him. But I think overall his Reds career was a success. He came in over in in 2006 in April after opening day as a, as a designated for assignment player from the Indians who uh, ran out of chances up there, and Wayne Krisky traded him traded for him for a guy named Jeff Stevens, a minor leaguer, and it was uh, a, a fantastic trade for the Reds. Uh, no matter what you say. Yeah, no question. And, Mark, if you don't mind me asking, what was his issue with uh, with you in particular? Was it just, uh, you know, you were you were part of the of, of an overall media boycott, or was there something in particular with you where you went the two years without speaking? I think it was a little bit of both. I remember I, I don't remember the exact story, but I had written a story that he did not care for, and he stopped talking. And I, I don't I, – honestly, it's funny. I don't even remember the story anymore. But there was something that – didn't really go his way. There was another set time in, in 2010, I think, when we weren't really simpatico either. So uh, it just it comes and it goes, you know. Like this, this past year, I will say this, we didn't really speak at all, I think, during 2014 and 2015. But last season, when I did try to interview him, he was, he was very uh, cordial and he was professional and he, he did the interviews. And then the last time I interviewed him was at the winter meetings this past year. And, uh, you know, I have to say he was very nice. I, I, we had, I mean, he, he wasn't truthful about it. Was like, well, he was asked whether he talked about the trade stuff, and it turned out that there was a trade attempt in November that he decided not to, not to mention, or he you know, didn't say, he said nothing was going on. So, but other than that, it was a very good conversation, and uh, so I wish him well. Yeah, as I'm sure most Reds fans do, he's now a member of the Atlanta Braves, and uh, 
Life goes on, as they say. And, Mark, in the final minute or two that we have here, uh, just give us your thoughts on Homer Bailey. That was the other big news before the Phillips trade. Another setback for him. And uh, where does this put him? What does this do to the Reds' rotation? Yeah, it's definitely a big blow to have, to lose Homer Bailey. Uh, even though he was coming off Tommy John surgery, they were counting on his veteran presence and to provide a good chunk of innings. But then now they're going to have to replace. It's going to be a young staff already. They only have really three starters they can count on. This now leaves two rotation spots open at the back end. And you're going to see young guys like Cody Reed, Robert Stevenson, Amir Garrett, plus Tim Adelman. Uh, they just got a guy, Benia, from the Pirates uh, off of waivers who's going to be in the, in the mix for the, for the competition. And, of course, Bronson Arroyo is here as a non-roster player, and he's going to be in the, the, the battle for that spot as well. But uh, without Homer Bailey available now until at least the beginning of June, he's already on the 60-day disabled list. There, there are going to be some thin for, for enough guys that can pick up those innings. You can't assume that any of those prospects uh, can fill that void. You have to see them do it on the mound, but uh, that's what they're hoping to do. I don't think they're going to pick up another pitcher, and they're going to have to wait for Homer Bailey to come back from now his third elbow surgery. A very interesting week for the Reds, uh, to say the very least. Uh, Mark Sheldon, we appreciate the time as always, and we'll do it again soon. In the meantime, it's Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Cincinnati Reds. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.